Welcome back to the Tim Voxelbaum Show. My name is Tim Voxelbaum, and this is episode 59 of the program. I am coming to you from Texas, where I currently reside as a comedian, podcaster, and influential motivational speaker. I have influenced many, many other people that have been struggling for things like me. And man, am I not sure what the hell I'm talking about. Okay, I'm back in Texas, baby. It feels good to be back in my homeland where you're allowed to run through red lights and never stop at yellows and carry a gun with you wherever you want to bring that sucker. Oh man, do I not miss being in Chicago where I just, I took a trip to Chicago. I don't know if y'all knew that or not, but I'm from the great land of Chicagoland. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, so Chicagoland is where I could, is where I was born. That's, that means it's the metropolitan area. It's the suburbs of Chicago is what that means. That's what Chicagoland means, and that's where I'm from. And now I'm from Texas. I changed where I'm from. It's called transnationalism. It's, it's where you change your nationality. Texas is a country, so you could say that. It's a nation. It's a nation. Illinois is just a stupid little state, and that's why I don't live there anymore, because I don't want to live in a state, I want to live in a country. I don't want to live in a country that just has states in it. I want to live in a country that its own country has no states and boundaries and borders. Okay, let's start the show. Okay, so if you're not list, if you're listening to the audio version of this episode, you may not be able to take, it may not be obvious that I'm wearing something that's covering my frickin' face. This is a fashion podcast. We talk about male fashion, female fashion, child's fashion, and all that's in between. Overweight, big and tall, short stature, petite, whatever the hell you look like, we like to make you look good. And this is a great episode because it's my first one back in Texas. We had to take a break because I was traveling. I'm not, you know, so I couldn't really record the episode from my hotel or wherever the hell I was staying. <laughs> we'll get more into that later. Let's just start with the first topic, and that is, what am I wearing today? Well, today I'm wearing a little thing called the Donda Mask. That's what's covering my face hole. And so I'm yelling through that. It's the Donda Mask. It's the same mask that Kanye wore. Or, sorry, that Ye wore on the Alex Jones program a couple months ago. And woo boy. There was a controversial thing to be doing. That he, he was doing. What he was doing was controversial. I'm just my own person. I don't endorse everything that he has to say or believes. He's his own fucking, he's his own artist. It's none of my business what other artists do. This is my program to do what I'm doing. But I don't, I'm not here to judge what other people do with their lives. I'm just here to wear the same mask as him. And it cost $300 because it went up in value. It actually went up in value since he started endorsing, like, Hitler. Isn't that fucking hilarious? So this thing actually came out over a year ago uh, when Donda was released. It was released as part of the album packaging. And uh, it, it, back then, it only cost, like, maybe 100 or 200 bucks, But now... <laughs> It's going, it went up in value. So this thing costs $300, just the thing covering my face. And man, is it ominous looking. It's got zipper eye holes. You could zip close the eyes. Let's do that right now. Okay, I'm not gonna, 
Okay, I cannot see now. That's, that was a dumb idea. So it's a GIMP mask. And it also matches a little bit the uh, the t-shirt that I'm wearing, which is my own t-shirt. It says Gusto on it. I designed it after I stole the design from uh, Gucci. This would normally say Gucci if it was the actual design that I stole it from. But I decided, you know what? That would look cool in my own branding style with Gusto on it on the front. This is the second iteration of this t-shirt. And what did I do? What's the difference? Well, I added the back part. Let's see what's on the back okay so on the back of the t-shirt is a fa is a picture of me wearing the same t-shirt isn't that pretty cool and on the rear end you could see the tour link to get to my podcast tour and uh, that's pretty damn i think it came out pretty damn nice so that's what we're wearing today on the episode all black and i look like a some sort of assassin I don't think this is something you want to wear in public. I'm talking about just the mask. I mean, you could probably get in some trouble wearing this in certain spots of the world. Be like, holy shit, we're about to get robbed by a mini-juke, by a little boy. <laughs> we're about to get shot. We're about to get held up by a little boy. Let's kill him. So anyway, I, I don't wear this shit in public. I don't wear this mask in public is what I'm trying to say. Okay, let's start the episode for real. Okay, next topic of the program. It's so man. There's so much to cover that I'm like I'm I'm like kind of having a sensory overload moment for a minute here. Okay, let's take a deep breath. Let's take a deep breath. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> so I traveled to Chicago, and before I left. uh I did a show called The High Tonight Show, and I was very excited. I, I promoted it on this very podcast many times before it came. I was so fucking, like, excited for it and also a little nervous at the same time because I don't do a lot of shows here in Austin. I'm still a very unestablished comedian in Austin, so it takes a while to get on shows. And also, I haven't been trying to get on shows. Like I've been saying on this podcast, I ain't really looking for shows at the moment. I'm trying to develop... I'm trying to get ready at some point to do, like, guest spots and then maybe a 10-minute sets. But this was a special podcast called The High Tonight Show, and I was going... I was closing out the show... So I had to do about five minutes up top, just a regular set, late night style set. And then I had to do panel. So I sat down at a couch. And so I don't know. So I, I was super like in the, oh man, I was not, okay, this is, this is, we don't, I don't know how much time I want to spend on this, on this topic, but let's just say it was a very good time. I wore the mask. I wore this mask. So it matches this is this is what I've been wearing out throughout the week. This you know just to uh, to assert dominance. So anyway, I got to the club. First of all, before I even went to the show, I took a large dose of psilocybin mushrooms because I wanted to. I like to abuse drugs. I mean, that's the short answer. I like to abuse drugs. I like to feel tripped out and experience life anyway so one of the realizations that i learned on the mushrooms before i went to the show is a lot but it, it it was a real trip like i was seeing i was like you know visuals closed eye visuals and open eye visuals so that means you're tripping i was tripping so anyway okay so long story short 
I realized that if you're a comedian and you're booked for a show, you should, what's like, of course, you're going to have a little bit of butterflies, maybe. You're going to be a little bit nervous, but you shouldn't dread the show. You shouldn't be like, oh, man, I can't, I don't want to do this. I'm not going to do that well. Yeah, if you have that feeling before a show, before a gig, that's not, you're probably not going to do that well. You got to actually like be excited to, for the gig, not just to be over with, because that's kind of how I was looking at it beforehand, before I took the mushies. I was like, oh man, let's just get this over with. It's not going to be that good, because I'm not that good. Not, it wasn't the show's fault. It's just, I don't know if I'm going to be that good. And then I took the mushrooms, and the mushrooms kind of slapped, give me a nice little soothing realization that if you're a freaking comedian, you should not just be excited for the show to be over you should be excited for the show to start and for you to get on that stage and you've got to soak up that moment and soak up the spotlight you have to actually enjoy being on stage and doing the show because what the hell else are you doing it for what are you do why are you doing comedy if you don't enjoy doing comedy so that slap in the face may be like euphoric in an in a, in super excited to get on stage i didn't even know what i was gonna do up there i just knew like even that is fine like even not knowing what you're gonna do is fine if you're confident enough if you have enough confidence and talent and skill at comedy you don't really have to prepare for every single you just have to be like okay i'll figure it out and that's part of the fun is improvising on stage and that's what i did i brought up a bunch of notes that were printed onto computer paper because i don't want to read off my phone like it's so hack and unprofessional to read off your phone and i don't remember i don't know what jokes i have it's part of adhd of just like i don't have a good short-term memory like i could set i had a list of jokes i was going to do but i didn't remember the order or the even the jokes themselves like they're unfinished so it's like they're very raw and unfinished so i had fun with that i pulled out the notes i was like you know what this is not going to work why did i do this i just threw the notes away um and it was a fun set and then the panel i sat down and got interviewed by victor martinez jr and uh it was a good time and the and i guess the reason i was nervous is because i had big shoes to fill the last episode that they put out the person closing it casey rocket is like you know one of the best comics in the city very nice likable person and like i had to so i had big shoes to you know so it went well and i'm very grateful that i was given that opportunity and then as soon as i you know went home i had to pack for my flight I had a flight at about eight in the morning, and I I had uh, I got zero sleep, so I was up all night, super sleep deprived, and I had to get to Chicago and drive, had to rent a car, and then drive up to the, the suburbs, and I was had I had uh, insomnia because I was taking a break from weed, and one of the things for a lot of people, if you stop smoking weed, you're going to have intense insomnia that is impossible to to get over you just have to wait it out so now i'm over that it's been a couple weeks since then but you know i'm i'm still suffering from some of the effects of quitting weed so anyway that was the high tonight and i didn't smoke weed on the show it's called the high tonight show and everybody there was smoking weed and i i was so confident though by the time i got there because of the mushrooms, they reminded me that I'm a comic, and this is what I'm meant to be doing. And if you're not excited, who will? Be? No one's going to be excited. You you better be 
excited for your own goddamn show. Anyway, I wasn't supposed... I don't know. Somebody dropped off, so I... I don't know. So I came over there super, like, arrogant and like, you know what? Fuck this. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't Like, I went into the green room and I, I wasn't even really... I just was in there to drop off some extra wardrobe like this. I had to drop off and whatever. I... I was, like, intense. It was the most intense I've ever been at a comedy show in a long freaking time. Like, I don't let people mess with me anymore in comedy. Like, if somebody gives me, ego checks me or gives me a lip, I throw it right back at them, baby. And that could be a good thing and a bad thing. You got to not be too arrogant because it ain't going to help being arrogant. But there's a fine line between confidence and overconfidence, and douchebaggery, and egotisticalism, and y- y- so I, y- you don't want to do, you want to shoot yourself in the foot by being too confident, but you need confidence to kill. Anyway, I didn't, it was great. So anyway, I went to Chicago for about a week, over a week, I, I changed, I'm not very good at planning shit, like, I was just like, okay, yeah, I'll go, you know, I bought plane tickets, and then I found out that somebody passed away on Christmas. I was smart to not go there on Christmas because there was a horrible blizzard and it would have been a terrible time to go. And planes were getting or planes were getting canceled. That's what that you know whatever you call it flights. And so I booked it, and I was able to move that around. Like I originally was gonna go for Christmas, but then I saw what the weather was gonna be, and I was like, well, I'm gonna change that flight. And one of the things that is great about flying for the first time i flew first class and like the only reason i bring that up is because like it's awesome first of all and it costs more than twice as much as whatever regular coach or whatever it's called but the main benefit of first class is you could cancel at the last minute and just get a full refund so that's why i was able to move my flight around and i was able to extend my flight to when I wanted to leave a couple... I wanted... So anyway, somebody died. One of my family members, extended family members, died on Christmas Day. He was 93 years old. And so I wanted to go to his funeral, which was just a couple days ago. So I was able to attend the funeral thanks to the luxury of being able to afford first-class plane tickets otherwise it would have been like great i gotta i don't know if it would have cost more money or something i don't freaking know so it was a great funeral i don't know was that make is that some it was a good funeral what am i supposed to say it was a good it was a jewish funeral they made us you know i was part of the procession i rented a car so i was mobile this whole trip in chicago i was living it was easy because i had a rental car so i could go wherever the hell i wanted and I was in the procession. They gave us this sticker to put on their windshield that showed a Jewish star, which I was a little bit iffy about. Like, do I really want to advertise that I'm part of a Jewish funeral? Like, I don't know, man. I don't want to get shot. No, I'm just kidding. It was in Northbrook. It was a very normal place. It was in, like, where a lot of Jews are. So obviously, that was just me being, like, too... I was overthinking it a little bit. But anyway, the the procession was going too slow. Like, I was in the back, kind of. And I was like, ah, this is too slow for me. So I just cut in front of like 10 cars and like, you know, wedged my way back in. And like somebody was like honked at me who was also part of the procession. I was like, yeah, sorry, man. I'm from Texas, man. I wanted to get there a little bit quicker, man. So anyway, we went through the crypt and uh, it was my uncle. It was my great 
No. What is he? He was my step grandpa. He was uh, Papa Jinx was his name. That's what we called him. He was a very eccentric person. He had a great big personality, and he lived a long life. And I believe cancer. He had cancer, and uh, you know, ninety three years old. That's quite a long life. And he was Jewish. You know, he had all. He was very Jewish. Let's just leave it at that. That does not mean he went to temple. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about culturally Jewish and behaviorally, <laughs> behaviorally Jewish. That's what I'm talking about, baby. So anyway, he was a good guy. I miss him, and it's too bad he wasn't there because he would have given. He would have been a great person to eulogize himself. And that gives me an idea. It, when I die, I'm going to have my own eulogy that I record prehand. Whatever the fuck, however many years before I die, I want to do it when I'm healthy. I'll record the eulogy of myself when I'm able to do a great eulogy of myself. I won't know what I'm going to die. Who knows? I'll do many different versions of it. Because that'll be cool, man. Because who could give the best eulogy? Well, me. When I die, I'm going to give myself the best eulogy. Nobody else knows me enough to give me a good eulogy. So that's that. That's what the, one of the reasons I, I was in Chicago was for that. And also just to see my family who I have not seen in person for, you know, since I moved to Texas because I kind of left on a bitter note. <laughs> I kind of left with like this attitude of like this place, I'm ditching this place. This place is no longer somewhere I like to live politically mostly as I'm talking about like, you know, structurally, it's a great city. It's a great metropolitan, you know, a lot of good infrastructure, easy to get around. Um, the, pro the architecture in Chicago is amazing. I love the Chicago skyline. I like the history of Chicago, the mob, Al Capone. But that's in the past. Right now, it's not exactly like that anymore. It's just a bunch of people, you know, protesting for God knows what. I don't know, some kind of rights to some people that already have rights and shit like that and they, they frown upon people like me so anyway that was great so i did go back to sh so the feeling of going back there was kind of um like okay i'm just going mostly to see my family just to hang out low-key not try to like put myself out there in the comedy scene but of course i wanted to do comedy i wanted to maintain my my muscle my comedy muscle so i did open mics like i went out every single night that i was there except for the first night because i was too tired because i was too super sleep deprived so once i was rested up i went to the very first mic it was called power hour it's a very long running open mic and i just slipped in and a few people recognized me it's like oh shit I remember you, and I had a fun set there, and I caught up with Matthew Doyle Perez, who's a fan of the or friend of the show. I don't know if he's a fan. He doesn't listen. I don't think he listens anymore. But he's he's a friend of the show, and he was very nice and accommodating. And then I found my people to kind of hang out with there, and I was nice to people, even if they are not friends with me. I was still nice to people, just because anything that's happened in my past in comedy, it's water under the bridge. I don't really hold grudges over people just because maybe they didn't like me or some shit like that, you know, I don't, or maybe I didn't like them. I don't give a fuck. You know, people are people. We're all just going through our own struggle. That's why I'm wearing this mask to hide my true emotions. You know, it's, it takes balls to um, go up to somebody and tell them, give them a compliment, a, a real compliment 
Because, I don't know, they might not care. They might just go, like, yeah, fuck off. I don't know. Who gives a shit? It's all water under the bridge. So, anyway, uh, I don't really remember what I did after that, but I just know that I did a lot of comedy when I was there. I think I did, like, 19 sets because uh, I recorded all of them. So, I was like, okay, I did. That's cool. I like to count. Sometimes I just want to be proud of myself for the number of times I go up. Regardless of the quality, I, I care about the quality of the sets way more than the quantity. But I just was like, okay, I'm glad I'm pushing myself to go out every single night and do multiple sets. I did four sets on Monday. Uh, yeah, just last Monday, I guess that was. I did four fucking sets. One of them was a show. Sunday, I got to talk about that. I did three dead moose, which was... They're not going to want me talk. I don't know why I'm like naming the places I went cuz these they don't want my name attached to them. Look at me. I'm wearing a fucking racist anti-semitic mask. Never mind that though. Forget what I'm wearing. I used to not be this. I used to just be a normal everyday leftist or liberal. I didn't always talk about the shit I talk about or believe the conspiracies. I'm a conspiracy theorist by the way. I'm a proud conspiracy theorist i don't take an i don't take that as an insult if like wikipedia or any article calls me a conspiracy theorist because who cares it's fun it's a hobby anyway so i did three dead moose which is a very very that's like one of the first open mics i ever done in chicago when i was just starting out in 2012 over 10 years ago so it's still going, and it was a great time. It was packed. The Packers were playing at this bar. There's a lot of real audience members there, and I had a really good time, and I stayed for the whole thing. And uh, what happened after that? I don't know. Then I went to this bar, and I, and I met up with somebody, and they asked me if I wanted to do a set at a show just the very next day on Monday. They're like, you want to do a set on uh, this show that I'm doing? And like, I found out... He didn't tell me that it was like a weird, that it was a award show. I had, I just thought it was a regular uh, comedy show showcase. So I messaged him on, you know, I messaged him. I was like, yeah, just to wanted to confirm. I would love to do a quick set if you have room. He was like, yeah, I got you down for six minutes or something. So I went, I showed up to this place not realizing what the hell it was and i didn't care i was just wanted to do my i just wanted to do comedy but it was an award show for people in the chicago comedy scene for various different things such as most just funniest comedian um best album most underrated comedian uh biggest meltdown biggest hack like some of them were jokey um and they were do giving all these certificates away and i was the only one there doing a set nobody else even really did comedy it was just like okay here's your award they would come up like thank you okay bye-bye and go right back and it was packed it was a back room of a bar and it was packed with only comedians, like a very few actual regular audience members. And I was there just to do a guest spot from out of town. So I was very honored to be a part of that. And, I'll, you know, I'm very thankful. But they gave me an intro. Like, this guy used to live here. He's very controversial. We're going to give him a quick... Give it up for Tim Weichselbaum. And I, I put on the Kanye mask. And I fucking... 
my walk up was the most fun part just walking up and staring at people through these things this thing and just i did a set and it went it went pretty well i didn't want to stay up there too long and you know i did just my best jokes that i had in the moment and some of them killed and it was an overall great fucking time so the award show just what started right back up after i was done i was like all right i'll let y'all get back to your circle jerk I don't give a fuck about this scene. All I noticed is that some people got fatter. Anyway, so that was great. That was the first show I did. And then, I don't know, we don't have to go through every single show I did. But uh, it was called The Comedy Gazelle. That's who put it on. And that's, I guess it's a uh, it's a magazine type, you know, online uh, publication that talks about the Chicago comedy scene, which I no longer am a part of. So... I can't understate or overstate how grateful I am that I was a part of that, even though I'm not a part of the scene. I was. It's great to just let people know, hey, I'm still a comic. I don't live here, but I'm still a co- I don't fucking know. It's just great to show your face and show them that I'm still alive and better than them at comedy. No, I don't know. It was also good to watch people that I haven't seen in a year and a half who have improved at stand-up. A lot of people they have clearly gotten better at it. And I wanted to show people that I've also gotten better at it and not just became like a stagnated, you know, because a lot of people can move away to Austin or anywhere, New York, LA, and they don't get better necessarily. They just kind of stay exactly where they are and they get eaten alive by the business and they just get very sad and they quit maybe. They stop doing comedy and they come back and they do the exact same jokes that they did years ago. And I didn't do that. I didn't do any old jokes that I have already done in Chicago. I'm working on a new set. I'm capable of writing new jokes. So why the hell would I do old ones if I could write new ones? I mean, Jesus Christ. I would hope I have the ability to do that. So anyway, that was fun. And then I went to Laugh Factory the next day uh, in Chicago. It's called Laugh Factory. It's a very famous franchise of clubs, comedy clubs. And uh, I had to use somebody's name to get in because the door people didn't know, uh, you know, didn't know who I was. They were, you know, they're. So I was like, "Yo, I'm a comic." That was the first thing I said. I was just gonna walk in, but obviously it's very hard to do that if they don't know who you are. There's a podium where they stand behind, and. So I, I was just going to fucking walk in. But they're like, yes, how can we help? They was like, oh, I'm a comedian. They're like, okay, are you on the show? I was like, I was like, no, but isn't there an open mic? They're like, yeah, you got to wait outside for the open mic. And I wasn't going to do that shit. I wasn't there to fucking just do the open mic. I wanted to talk to people that that work there and remember me and have been following Timmy Gusto's Instagram and all that. So I wasn't just going to stand outside in the cold. So I said, oh, okay, well, can I just, I was actually invited here. I'd like to talk to somebody who's in there. And he was like, okay, yeah, you could go in. They were very reluctant to let me in. Like, yeah, okay. So I got in there. I Im- immediately started talking to the uh, bartender and one of the managers there. And they're very nice and very accommodating. And they let me do the open mic, even though I didn't sign up in, you know, with the regular comics. Because I wasn't a regular comic. I was a out-of-town comic. And so they treated me to doing to being allowed to do the open mic and uh that was very fun and they all watched all the people that some of the people that worked there whatever they were happy to, it was great so why not give them a shout out so anyway that's that that's that one and then the next day or a couple of days later i did a thing called roast battle and that was probably the most fun show that i did 
that was actually like a show, like a real show with paid audience and packed out to the gills and uh, at the Lincoln Lodge. Anyway, so I went, uh, I got booked for that from Three Dead Mil- whatever, who cares how I got booked for it? Somebody booked me for it to do the panel, not to roast anybody, not to go one-on-one and do the actual battle part. I was just in the panel. Uh, the judge, I was one of the judges. So that was fucking amazingly fun. I got to do a set beforehand, and I did pretty well at the set. I was very confident. You know, I was in character. I was like, you, I better do well because it'd be very awkward to bomb and then have to do the panel and judge people after Bob, after proving that I can't do comedy. So I was like, you better do well. And so I did well, and I got to sit at the panel after that, and I got to roast or, you know, judge the comics after they did their thing. And I was pretty funny on that. I, I had some great fucking lines. I was like, there's these two roasters that went up, and I was they were so, like, new at comedy, and they didn't even look like comedians. And I was like, yo, I don't know, what the fuck? Are you guys like a TikTok duo? Like, you guys are not even comics, man. Why are you here? I'm a comic. I don't know. They The audience understood that i was doing a character anyway and that was fun as fuck and uh you know what else a couple people came up to me and said yo you are my favorite out of anybody and like that's a that's good you know i could see that i could see me being somebody's favorite when i'm good when i'm good i'm good when i'm bad oh man am i bad am i fucking bad i I very rarely have like mediocre sets anyway so that was my favorite show that I did, and I was booked for another show that same night, and I couldn't make it because it started at the exact same time, and I just couldn't make it, so I had to tell them, yo, I'm sorry, I can't make it. So anyway, um, but the point is, is I got booked for five shows, and and that's a really gratifying feeling because I wasn't expecting to get anything. I wasn't expecting shit. So I'm very grateful, and, uh, you know, I don't want to... St- talk too much about chicago comics because they are doing their thing in chicago and they don't want to be associated with somebody who wears all black and you know talks about kanye being correct they don't want to see you can't pray the yay away nobody wants to be associated with me after i mean you know some people do like some really cool people would be like okay i like what you're talking about but most people that i'm referring to in chicago are like okay that was Thank you, but that's it, though. We don't want to... Anyway, and then I did a show uh, on Friday. It was a riff show. It was at the Lincoln Lodge, and I was pretty nervous. I just didn't... I just knew I wasn't going to do that well for the set portion, and there was also a riff portion. Um, I don't know. I just didn't have it that night. I was just not in it, and uh, the the set part was kind of bad, except for maybe one joke, and it's tough. The type of comedy that I do is uh, not exactly for everybody. So to sell it to just random audience members in Logan Square, of all places, one of the most woke part of the cities, the city of Chicago, yeah, I'm going to have a little bit of, you know, anxiety because it's not easy, especially to go like in the middle of a show. If I'm going at the end, maybe it's a little bit easier, but I could fuck up the whole show if they're not prepared if they don't understand what i'm doing that could be a problem for the next comic and i I don't know whatever i did my thing man i can't i'm not gonna i can't really apologize for what i do like 
I all I could do is explain it better and set it up better. It's not the you know I was talking about this was another comic. The host can only do so much to prepare the audience for what they're about to see. You know, it's my job to be a little bit you know uh, palatable. Like I, it's my job to not completely bomb. You know, the host can only do so much. Anyway, but then there's a second portion of the show. And I had a little bit of time in between the main set and the riff portion of the set where they just give you topics and it's up to you to riff. I had time in between to do an open mic at the very same club because this club has, I think, four rooms, four theaters, and they often have open mics. So I just swung in to an open mic in between and there was only like three people in the room. So it wasn't it was good, though. I needed it. I needed to talk in, to, in front of three people just to, like, clear my head and, you know. And then I went back and did the riff part, and it was way better. I was much more confident, and I just leaned into it, even though what I was saying was still pretty, like, you know, not offensive, but still pretty, like, edgy. I leaned into it and actually was having fun with it, and so it did work. People still got scared at certain points because it's Logan Square. It's not a normal audience that's there to laugh necessarily. They're there to like judge. It's Logan. It's just what they do. It's their. It's their life. It's their hobby. I'm not really judging them that they judge people. That's 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 what they do though. It's like yeah, it's a comedy show, but that doesn't mean it's only comedy. It's also politics and hate. Like some of the people that go there genuinely hate you know, men hate white men or shit like that. What I, I guess they identify me as. I don't identify as anything other than a comedian when I'm at a comedy club. I don't give a fuck about race, gender, politics, identity. I care about how funny am I going to be. So that was a great show. So I'm very grateful. That was the last thing I did in Chicago before flying home. So I don't know. It was really great to have like a packed schedule and, you know, I could tell other people were kind of judging me as like, does he really, is he really funny? Does he really deserve to be on this show? Like I could, like some people were like clearly judging me. Um, but Hey, it's not my fault that people gave me those opportunities. I earned them kind of, um, by skipping time, <laughs> by moving out of town. And, uh, somebody said, Oh man, I guess it does pay off to, to move out of town. The second you move out and come back, all of a sudden you get booked and I was like, yeah, it also helps if you're funny. Yeah, like I didn't just let him say something kind of like uh, diminishing or demeaning. It's like, no, it's not just because I moved out of town. It's because, um, yes, I'm only here for a little while and people genuinely think I'm funny and that's it. It's not like they're just doing it because I moved away. I don't know, man. It's like you got to actually, you got to also be kind of likable and funny or at least have the social skills to give people a reason to book you. You can't just be funny and have zero social skills. There's a lot of comics in in uh, Austin or and Chicago that are funny, but they have autism and they just don't know how to fucking uh, communicate and fun to, they're not fun to be around off stage. They're funny on stage, but off stage it's like, okay, I'll give them a compliment and they just go, thank you. And then they don't say anything back, like, you know, they don't, like, reciprocate it at all. You're not, you don't always have to reciprocate a compliment. 
because that could kind of diminish the the compliment if somebody just says hey man i really like what you did up there and then you just go oh yeah me too i like what like if you just give it right back to them it's kind of not as powerful it takes away from the compliment but anyway you have to have some social skills and be able to hold a conversation for people to want to work with you like i i mean this is just at least on the amateur level which this was all amateur stuff for the most part if it's on the you know if it's a professional club, if you're that good at pulling an audience and selling tickets, who gives? Who cares how sociable you are? If you could sell out a, a club, you could be probably a pretty hard person to work with. You could be as autistic as you want. And I'm not saying anything bad about autism. I'm just saying that one of the features of autism causes people to not know how to talk to people. And fuck autism. I mean, we don't have to focus on just that fucking thing. You could just be an asshole. You could be a narcissist. That's a way worse thing to have than autism. Um, yeah, a lot of comics have narcissistic personality disorder, and that's what makes them very hard to work with. But if they're funny, you can't really argue with that. If you're undeniable in comedy, you could be a narcissist and still get paid millions of dollars. I mean, uh, TJ Miller comes to mind. Like, he's kind of, he has some bad personality features which are undeniable people just he just is kind of a narcissist but he's also pretty damn entertaining and talented he's very talented and he is very smart as well anyway so i would uh whatever man i'm just saying man it's a fine you gotta be the full package you gotta be self-aware you gotta know what the hell is going on uh and you can't complain about you can't be like have comedyitis, which I call it, where comics are just jealous and bitter and like, I deserve what he's getting. They, them, whoever, I deserve that and I'm mad, so I'm going to hate watch them. I'm going to watch them sit up front and not laugh just to show them that, hey, you're not as good as you think you are. It's like, I don't know. So people do that. I don't really care. I mean, if somebody hates me or like calls me a bad word, like, okay, that's up to you. That's fine. I forgive you. I don't really care, man. Um, it can only hurt you to get into an argument about yourself. Like, you know, if somebody doesn't like what I'm doing, I'm just going to be like, okay, do I have to comment on that? Like, can I just be like, nope, thank If somebody like interviews me, like comes up to me, is like, yo, man, I don't like what you did up there. That's really offensive. Like, what am I obligated to like explain myself? No, all I'm going to do going forward, if this happens is just go, okay. I have no comment, just like anything, just like if the media, just like celebrities do or publicists do, whenever there's a nasty news story that comes out, they just go, I have no comment. I'm just going to start doing that. Anyway, I should probably take off this mask. I don't know if I'm going to do the full episode in it. It's not, it's kind of like itchy and like not that comfortable. It's like, this is only for fashion, not for function. It's not like it keeps me warm. It's okay. Anyway, so mainstream comedy is, um, not what I do, so that's why it's like I'm not I'm I'm not trying to get work at every single establishment. Like even if I know the people that run it, even if they like me, yeah, I, I I don't know, man. I don't I'm I'm very like hesitant to submit to shows or clubs unless they actually understand and appreciate that I am not mainstream. Okay. 
but we'll get there eventually. I do want to be something. I want to at least be a professional at uh, stand-up or podcasting. Mo- definitely podcasting. I mean, that's why I got the tour. I got the tour going. Uh, another thing about that is I failed to get any podcasting done in Chicago. Unfortunately, I just didn't have the uh, executive function wherewithal to you know network and ask somebody to do their podcast. And even though there were definitely podcasts I could have done, it's just hard to schedule that on the fly when you only have a certain amount of days. And I really, my executive function was pretty bad. I was taking Adderall. But only a tiny amount, only enough to just get me to the comedy clubs and be sociable. I was just not in the mood to do podcasting or at least to schedule the podcast. I would have loved to do podcasting. Anyway, we're going to continue the co- the podcast tour. It is a new year. Happy New Year's 2023. If you're not aware that this is when this is being recorded, January 8th. And uh, so I'm going to continue the podcast tour, obviously, because that's the year that it has on the banner. Um, yeah, I'm a pod- I'm trying to be a professional podcaster, and that's why there's a great lull in this podcast. That's a really great time to say that you're a po- professional. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I want to be. Yeah, that was terrible. So let's get to an actual topic that's actually has. Um, you know, Jesus Christ, am I talking a lot? Okay. <laughs> Another thing about Chicago is I stayed at hotels for almost the entire trip. I, uh, my parents, you know, they said I could stay with them, but I decided I'd rather stay at a hotel just out of, uh, I needed to be a place at a place where I could just like have control over the sleep situation and the temperature. I'm very finicky about how, you know, I like to have the room at least 70 degrees maybe even 72 degrees when i'm sleeping i'm a, you know so i had a hotel room and the first place i stayed was not that great or just a regular old marriott and i was not impressed and you know just whatever just not great customer service like i messaged them through the app because i forgot to check in i was too exhausted to even check in so i did Whatever. So they're like, yeah, you missed, you you charged a fee. You charged a no-show fee. And I was like, yeah, okay, so can I still get the room? And they're like, unfortunately, since you did not check in in time, you were charged a fee. I was like, yeah, I, I'm not asking about the stupid fee. Do you have a room or not? They're like, we have a room available. I was like, so I did go back there. And I, so I did end up staying at this place, even though they had bad, just annoying customer service to deal with, like, like, I don't care about... The, yeah, I get it. Okay, there's a fee. It sucks. It's stupid. You know, you're going to charge me an extra fee even though I'm paying for the room. It's like, okay, I'm never staying there again, obviously. So I stayed there for about five nights, and then I decided instead of staying at my parents' house, which was the original plan, I was like, you know what? I just wanted this to be a f- exciting trip. I want to do something novel. So I stayed at the Drake in downtown Chicago. It's like by the Gold Coast or something like that near Northside or something, and right on the lake, kind of, by the Hancock Center, or it used to be called. And, I, you know, because my grandpa, Papa Jinx, who died, he he mentioned that place. He was like, that's a good hotel. I don't know. I was like, okay, I'm going to stay. Fuck it. That's how I heard of it. So I stayed there at the top floor, and that was a cool experience. And just when I checked in the, to that place, 
you know, the customer service is top notch. They talk in like a specific tone. They go, hello, sir. Where are you staying? Where are you coming from? How are you doing today? Yes, we just ask for your ID. Like they have a very professional tone, completely different from the Marriott that I stayed at. So I was like, this is great. And the, the lobby is amazing. And so many has a hist huge amount of famous people that have stayed there, like Frank Sinatra, Diana, Princess Diana. So anyway... So I went up to the top floor and I was able to overlook the, the Lake Lake Michigan and you know and just being in that hotel room like completely raised my mood and made me feel great. The parking situation was a nightmare. They charge a lot of money to park downtown and I, I use street parking and so I had to walk a bit. Anyway, so I do recommend staying at fancy hotels if you have the means and you need and it's just if it's new if you've already done it before okay whatever if you're used to it it's like nothing but same with flying first class that was my first time doing it so there was a novelty to it and it made it worth the money okay and i wanted to stay there for another night just because there's such a nice room uh and i wanted to do mushrooms in there at the, at the top at the top floor and that would have been great I don't know, man. And I was doing a big show that night, I guess. That was Thursday. Yeah, that was Thursday night, the same night I did the roast show. And I don't know, man. It's great being a comedian. That's all I could say. It's like, if you're doing a great show and you're just in a great hotel room and, you're, and you have everything you need and you're excited and you're ready and people are excited to have you, like all those, all that recipe, all those little variables being in the right place puts you in the in a great fucking mood and it's indescribable and it's part of being a performer and uh timmy gusto is my new stage name which i've been using most people just introduced me as tim weichselbaum and like that's fine but i was like yeah it's, i don't that's not my name anymore but anyway it didn't matter and so that's enough about that so anyway i got a bunch of parking tickets I forgot that in Chicago you're supposed to pay for parking. Like I didn't forget, but I did it wrong. I I did forget once, and I was like, I just completely forgot to pay the meter. And uh, so I got, I got a shitload of parking ticket talk. It's like, it's like whatever, man. Uh, I guess I'll pay them. I don't know, man. It's just funny. Cause in Austin, you fuck. You, nobody fucking polices that. You can just park at a on the street and not pay and 99% of the time I've only gotten one parking ticket in Austin out of the hundreds of times I've parked without paying and sometimes I park in a parking garage but anyway in Austin very rarely do you actually get in trouble for not paying so uh, yeah I got a rude awakening and uh hey that's what you get for being a fish out of water in a big city I'm from you know anyway so the parking tickets cost almost more than the than the hotel man so anyway that's funny but i don't care man you know i just gotta work harder that's how i look at finances like if i'm spending a lot of money or lose you know if i get charged a lot of money for like a parking ticket or something my fault i just go yeah i'll, I'll just make more later you know i'm an entrepreneur i'll just work harder to compensate so that i can get even more parking tickets and just laugh at them and be like, well, I'm a dumbass. It would have only cost 10 bucks. Now it costs 100. I don't know, man.
It's great. It's great being me. I'm back in my house. I love being in... Oh, man. So coming back to Texas was... I was like, thank fuck, I'm finally in Texas. I was watching the flight on my phone, just tracking it. Like, I was so, like, bored on the flight. Because there was nothing really to do on the flight, except for sit there and, like, meditate and listen to to uh, Donda, the album, over and over again. So I was like, okay, finally, we're over the state line. Finally back in Texas. And just landing, like, I, I was... And it felt so good to be back in 70-degree weather. And, you know, I only live, like, 15 minutes from the airport. So as soon as I got home, it just felt like such a relief to be back in your home, you know, back where everything you need, you know, just so comfortable. And so I took a long nap, ate a bunch of ice cream, keto food, you know. I'm still doing keto, so I'm at a good, healthy weight and I was doing a lot of fasting in Chicago, so I was actually, you know, I was feeling pretty functional. Anyway, but still low dopamine, which I guess is from the lack of, from quitting weed. So I, it was great. So I took a nap, went to a open mic at, the, at a park last night because I really wanted to just do an open mic. And so that's what I did. It was tough. It was tough to do anti-Semitic material in a park like you know i was trying to tell the audience yo man this shit kills indoors man the only reason i'm bombing is because i'm outside anyway that didn't matter didn't help they were like yeah we don't care but it was still fun i did anyway that's 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 up to now we're up to date now we're at today now we're doing the podcast i'm wearing the mask um okay there's a lot of more things that i had to talk about about like you know Kanye and the and like Jews, secular Jews and like I don't know. I feel like we're going to save that for another episode because I feel like this is not as dark of an episode as it could be. I'm dressed as if this is going to be like the most dark episode I've ever done. Um but I'm in a good mood from taking uh yeah. So I guess we'll talk about that. So I did run out of I didn't run out of anything, but I I stopped smoking marijuana about two to three weeks ago, I think, and the effects of suddenly going from being a heavy, everyday weed smoker to cold turkey quitting is pretty detrimental. It's pretty, like, really, like, it's bad. There are some real withdrawal symptoms for weed if you're a heavy smoker. So instantly, I had insomnia and irritability and... This feeling of emptiness and lack of wanting to do anything other than be angry and sad and depressed. And that's low dopamine. As far as I'm aware from doing research and reading a little bit of, uh, you know, papers on the subject, it has to do with your dopamine receptors being uh, dulled, um, blunt, that's the word. Your dopamine receptors get blunted by continuous stimulation and arousal from the marijuana so it's not as bad as it could be and now that i know that it has to do with dopamine i also know that adhd is a natural deficient in deficiency in dopamine so if you have adhd on top of not smoking weed which gives you dopamine it's going to be a double whammy you're going to feel like you've been hit by a train and so this emptiness and, and sadness and melancholy is the main symptom that I'm dealing with. Just this feeling of like, ugh, I'm here, but I don't want to be. And 
what, well, I know it's dopamine, so I took Adderall, which I take most days, and that helps counteract the withdrawal from marijuana. But it's going to be a long time before my dopamine receptors become healed and become how they should be, and it could take up to a year from what I've read from people on Reddit. The Leave subreddit is, a, is the best source of information for uh, anecdotal you know, experiences on the subject of quitting weed. I don't really, you know, weed is like such a cheat drug. It just instantly wakes you up and gives you the dopamine you need, but it only lasts like 30 minutes, an hour at the most, and then you build a tolerance and it becomes a habit, an everyday, all-day habit. I would need it to do anything. And part of it is because I have ADHD. If I was uh, hetero, no, if I am hetero, if I was neurotypical, I wouldn't need to be bathing myself in something, a dopamine jerge, in a drug that produces dopamine. But I have that. I have a very textbook case of ADHD. So I have to take something or do something to get dopamine, my levels up to normal so I could function as a human being and do shit like this. So another thing I've been doing is taking cold showers. If you force yourself to be submerged under very cold water, like as cold as possible, like ice cold water for a minute or more, if you could just tough it out, it will produce dopamine that's long lasting and natural dopamine. So it's fine. It's not a drug. So there's no withdrawal symptoms of doing that. It might get less and less effective over time but it's natural so it's fine to do it as much as you want so anyway i did that a few times i did it at the drake the drake has super cold water at this time of the year on the top at the top floor so i did that as like holy fuck and that got me a little bit through the day but it definitely wore off by the night because i was hanging out with some young women and I was very, I don't know, it felt cool to like be walking, like hanging out with young women, but like I was like struggling to maintain a high mood. So that sucked. So I felt like a, like a dork at that time, but it was in the, just the very next day, I was like, okay, that was fun. I was just, I was just low dope. I just needed to uh, rest and recharge. Anyway, so low dopamine. So I'm taking. Not Adderall today because I want to clear that from my system. Uh, I don't like taking it every day because then it just kind of becomes less efficient, less effective. So I want to recharge my battery, uh, get it out of my system, which takes at least about four days to completely get it out of your bloodstream and urine or whatever. Adderall, so amphetamine. So I did not take that today, but why am I so energetic then? What am I doing? What 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 did I do? Well, I took a cold shower, uh, as cold as I could get in Texas. The water does not get that cold in Texas unless it's freezing outside. So anyway, that was not the main thing I did. I took a little bit of armadaphanil, which is another type of stimulant. It's a non-over-the-counter. It's a prescription-only drug. It's a Schedule Three or four, yeah, I think it's three or four, yeah, one of those, scheduled controlled substances, uh, and it's prescribed for people with uh, narcolepsy and other issues. Kind of, sometimes they give it for ADHD. So that 
is what gave me the boost of energy and dopamine that I needed to get the executive function to feel good and positive and motivated to do this podcast. Anyway, so I would, that's what I'm taking on the off days that I'm resetting my Adderall tolerance um, is called armadafinil, and I got it not from a doctor, so the next step would be to pr try to get it prescribed through my doctor because I kind of would rather just get it from the pharmacy, you know? I don't want to be dealing with anything off, you know, not on the white... Okay, you get it. You get what I'm trying to say. That was more... Okay. Okay, baby. We already kind of covered a lot of what I wanted to cover, so we'll just do one more, couple more things. Rhythm versus melody and stand-up. Melody versus rhythm. What does that mean? So, rhythm and melody and music, I think we all know what that means. Rhythm is like... Melody is like do 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 is the actual change in notes. Mel uh, rhythm is how is when you play the notes, and how you maintain the vibrancy of the song. And so that's the same thing in stand-up comedy. You can't just have a good joke. The melody would be like what your words like. Which words are you saying? The pitch, the tone that you're saying them at. Like, did you? Why did the chicken cross the road? Um, rhythm is when you're saying those words like when did the chicken cross the road and both of those things are freaking essential in stand-up so if you're if you're wondering why one of your jokes isn't working it's because the room is at a different time signature and you're not hitting the right time signature the rhythm is off your jokes might be brilliant and you you might you'll, you'll say the joke and it won't land and you'll be like, what the hell? It worked in this other... It killed just last night or even this... It killed just an hour ago in a different room. It's like, yeah, because it's a different room. The rhythm is different. You got to go with the natural rhythm that the room is giving you. Sometimes you could change the rhythm. You're, you could set the time signature yourself, but you got to be consistent and stay at that same time signature. And that also applies to this podcast. There are times in this podcast where there's lulls because I just wasn't able to maintain the flow. And that's just something I just wanted to throw out because I think it's very important for me and other comedians and artists and musicians and poets, anybody who's listening that does public speaking or podcasting. So anyway... We're going to end the episode by playing a sketch. I did a sketch with a very old comedian. For, okay, he's not not saying he's old. I'm saying our friendship is old. He's one of the first comedians that I approached in Chicago because he's the one of the best, if not the funniest. He's definitely one of the funniest people in the whole city. Um and his name is Ray Holub, and he you've got to check out his shit on uh, Instagram. Just follow him on Instagram. And also, he put up this sketch that we did very, you know, we did it on New Year's Eve. It's on YouTube, and I just wanted to play it on this episode because I'm proud of the way it came. I just think it's funny, and I, I don't know, I'm proud of it, kind of. So here it is. It's me. It's called Visit from, it's called Visit from Giovanni. So here we go. Yo, where's my money? Giovanni, hey, uh, uh, come on in. 
Who's this idiot? Does he have my money? No, Giovanni, he's just a friend of mine. Please. Giovanni. Ah! No! No! Is your money? Yeah, my, it's not in the shoes! Ah! No, Giovanni! Ah! Ah! No more shoes! Ah! I'll get you your money! I will get you your money! One, two, three. I'm really sorry about that, Chief, honey. Hell yeah, so that was it. Uh, check him, check out Ray Holub. He is uh, one of the most talented people. Also, Addison Rex is the other person that Sketchwork fucking shook down, and that was very fun to film. And, you know, I was in the, you know, it's like, I don't know, man. I don't have... I'm not always in the mood to do stuff like that, but once I was committed to it, I was committed. They were, like, giving me directions. We had to do multiple shots of the exact same scene. So, I don't know. It was just a great practice and exercise in acting, which I'm I'm going to be a fucking professional actor as well at some point in my life. I would like to do commercial work. I would like to do anything and everything, and I'm very proud of my life and sorry that i was not racist on this episode we'll save that for the next one i know a lot of people only watch this just to see what i'm gonna say and you know this this day i just didn't really feel like doing that you know i did it last night i've done it all week in chicago now that i'm back in texas i'm gonna be a liberal for the rest of the week and anyways this was episode 59 of the tim weichselbaum show i hope y'all have a great rest of the week and uh happy new year y'all Woo!